Church. It's such our joy to have you. Those of you who are part of the family, great to have you back this week. Those of you here with us today for the first time, I'm Jay Duncan. What a joy it is of mine and my wife to lead you and serve you in the capacity of lead pastor. We've been on a series for the past several weeks on tending your garden. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to join me. We're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter two and just do a a little bit of review before we continue on. Genesis chapter two, verse 15 is where we find our primary passage that establishes a foundation for our series on tending your garden. Verse 15 very simply says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. The word care is a word shamar in the Hebrew. And the word shamar very simply means to watch over. It means to fight for. It means to defend, to guard, and to protect. And so we have deduced from this passage of scripture that the calling upon mankind, because this was given by God to the very first man, that every single person has been called with an assignment and a responsibility to watch, guard, defend, fight for, and protect the responsibilities that God has entrusted to them, beginning with, number one, our own hearts, the garden of our own hearts, the garden of our own lives, the garden of our own attitudes. Everything in the kingdom flows from the inside out. You have a dirty well, everything from there will be polluted and will be infected and affected by it. We moved from there and we talked about the fact that as marriages, we must tend the garden of our marriages. We believe that marriages are the fundamental and the foundational building block of all society. There is, an, there is a demonic war against the biblical marriage in our culture and that there must be a bastion of people. There must be a stronghold of people that stand firm to God's original intent for marriage and God's principles and patterns and plans for marriage because we believe that God's wisdom and God's ways are right and that they are true and that they are transformative in the culture. From there, we talked about the fact that we must tend the garden of our families. And we gave some instruction and some principles from the word of God on how we as fathers and mothers can steward over the responsibility of children that he's given to us. All of these messages you can find online at antioch.is. And then two weeks ago, we talked about tending the garden of your church, which we're gonna continue today. In that message, we introduced uh, the idea of tending or watching over or protecting the things that come out of our mouths. And we talked specifically about the spirit of gossip and the spirit of slander and how those things partner with a spirit of disobedience, a spirit of death, a spirit of division to wreak havoc upon relationships and to wreak havoc upon churches and God's, and God's structures. Today, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're gonna continue uh, our talk on tending the garden of your church. And we're going to talk about a murmuring spirit. We're going to talk about how a murmuring spirit, how it has the capacity to destroy and to divide. And for those of you guys who are looking around for the door, looking for an exit, I'm going to have the ushers lock the doors on you guys. All right. <laughs> it hurts so good. 
I really think last week when all we did was sit in the presence of the Lord and him just wash over us and love on us and minister to us, I, I really believe that was God's wisdom in saying, let's give these guys a week to recoup from the previous message before we go into this week. I was ready for this murmuring spirit thing last week. God's like, no, no, we're not ready for that yet. First Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse one just so that we can get the context. For those of you who are new to the scriptures, this is the Apostle Paul, one of the great writers in the New Testament, and he's referencing here the activity of the children of Israel and their journey out of Egypt, which was a place of slavery and captivity for them for 400 years, through a desert season for 40 years before they came into their promise. And all of those things are symbolic. They're, they were literal, but they're also symbolic for us. Us leaving Egypt, a place of oppression, the oppression of sin, the oppression of death, disease, darkness, the devil. Uh, going through a time of discipleship through the desert of God's, of God's discipleship path in our lives so that we can reach maturity, so that we can obtain promise and inheritance that he has for us. 1 Corinthians 10.1 says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Verse five, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Now, anytime you see in the scriptures that God isn't pleased I just start to pay attention because I know that the heartbeat of the sons and daughters of this house is we want to be a people that please God. We want to be a people whose hearts, whose motives, whose attitudes, whose actions, that everything about who we are and everything about what we do, we want to please the heart of the Father. So I'm starting to pay attention here. God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Number, uh, verse seven, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did. We're killed by snakes. These are all real life accounts in the book of Numbers. And finally, in verse 10, it says, and do not grumble. Say, do not grumble. Do not in fact, just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do not grumble. As some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. I found a book a few weeks ago called The Weight of Your Words, the weight of your words, measuring the impact of what you say. And I found a story that really impacted me. I want to read as we set the, set the tone for this message today. The author is writing this and he says, talking with a Christian doctor about his family, I learned that all of his children were grown, happily committed to Christ and serving in their local churches. The doctor was obviously grateful and relieved that his children had grown in the faith. As a father of three, I was intensely interested in knowing what he thought was the secret to the spiritual maturity of his children. And by implication, how for years after that he had left his house, we're still following Christ. The doctor's answer was very interesting. He told me, my wife and I covenanted that our children would never hear us complain 
or criticize the church. So of all the things that he could have attributed to being significant factors in the success of his children still having a heart for God and being connected to the people of God years after they left their house, the doctor here says, we covenanted that they would never hear us complain or criticize the church, the church leaders, or another brother or sister in Christ. In essence, he had made a commitment not to murmur. Murmuring is a form of complaining that harbors a negative attitude toward a situation or toward people. It runs the continuum from griping about the slow driver in front of you to murmuring against the Lord for the things he has permitted to come into your life. The common factor in all murmuring is a critical spirit. The common factor in all murmuring is a critical spirit. This kind of grumbling carries the potential for great damage and is a direct violation of God's will. My doctor friend wisely realized that complaining about God's work or God's people was a direct reflection on the value of God and his plan. What children would want to commit their lives to a church that is the constant object of their children's or their parents' complaints? I want you to think about that, moms and dads. I want you to think about that. When we get into this message, we're going to see, and it's explained so vividly in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, we're going to see that a spirit of murmuring actually disqualifies us from inheritance, which affects our children, but it also negatively impacts the next generation. We're going to unpack that here in a few minutes. I want to read this statement one more time. What children would want to commit their lives to a church that is the constant object of their parents' complaints. Wise parents teach and model principles of love and prayerful intercession in regard to imperfections around them. Hearing murmuring about the family of God only gives a young child excuses for rebellion. Now think about that. That's extremely logical, isn't it? If, uh, if your young children are sitting around the table or sitting on the couch and all they hear are the negative, poisonous, uh, slanderous complaints, the uh, disappointment, the frustration, and they hear that going all the time, what is it inside of us that would make us think that they would want to come and be a part of that? Why would they want to be a part of something that gets all of your frustration? They wouldn't want to. They would not want to be a part of that. And so moms and dads, I believe that's the word of the Lord for us. I know Christy and me as pastors in our church or you know, in our family, we are making a commitment in our own lives that our children will not hear us process things relative to the challenges, the difficulties, the situations, even just regular normal situations of life. We have decided our children, we are not going to discuss those things around our children. It's not appropriate for them. It's not healthy for them. It's not helpful for them. And so moms and dads, I believe this is a prophetic sidebar. Some of you may need to pull your children aside and you may need to repent to them. You may need to pull them aside and say, listen, mom and dad have showed you a poor example of what it means to experience disappointment, disagreement, 
to experience discontentedness or discomfort. And the way that we have handled that has not been a biblical way and it's not been a healthy way. And consequently, we've given you a negative example. We ask that you forgive us and we're gonna do better at protecting you by tending the garden of our mouths, especially as it relates to the church. Yeah, you can clap your hands for that if you want. All right, or not. I want, to, I want to reiterate the context here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is highlighting a number of very serious issues that the children of Israel walked through that God was not pleased with and also that disqualified them from inheritance. Now, I want you to see where grumbling is at in the context of this. We see sexual immorality. And we would all go, oh, absolutely. Those Israelites, they should have absolutely been, they should have been punished for that sexual immorality. We see idolatry. And we go, oh yeah, of course, absolutely, right? And then we get to something called grumbling and we go, wait a minute now, why is that in that list? Because there's probably not a lot of sexual immoral people or hardcore idolaters here in this place. But if we were all honest with ourselves, the spirit of murmuring and the spirit of discontentedness is something that every single one of us are prone to. And if we are not violent about watching over that well of our heart and the well of our mouth, we will, we, we will just be sucked into that unconsciously without even, even knowing about it. The word here in the New Testament for murmuring very simply means to mutter. You ever heard somebody mutter? You ever heard somebody just talk out the side of their mouth? It's like, what, what did you say? <laughs> like, seriously, if, if you have something to say, straighten up, man up, turn your face, look me in the eye and say it. You ever been around people like that? Well, I'm It means to mutter. It means to grumble. It means to say something in a low tone. It, it speaks of those who confer secretly together or those who discontentedly complain. Now I want to go here to a passage in the Old Testament that to be honest with you, I could probably spend for about 10 weeks just on this one chapter alone. I wanna to go to Numbers chapter 14. Go to Numbers chapter 14, and I'm gonna begin giving you a little bit of context here for the sake of time. In Numbers chapter 13, God, through his appointed leader, Moses and his brother Aaron, he's leading the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt through a desert a real life, literal desert that is both literal and it's both figurative to the Christian journey. God promised this nation, he promised this people that he would lead them into a land of promise. He called it the promised land or the land of Canaan. That was their inheritance. That was the promise God gave them. And so in Numbers chapter 13, here's what we find. God instructs Moses and Aaron to select 12 people 12 leaders. The nation of Israel at that time was broken down into tribes. There were 12 tribes or family clans. And so Moses selected the leader of each of those clans. And of those 12, he would send them as spies to go search out this new land in order to find the best plan of God to bring them into their promise. How many of you are still with me this morning? Now, let's take a look right here at what happens. I think it's very interesting at what happens. That's important for the setup of chapter 14 that we need to look at. And we're going to look at chapter 13 first. And this is when the spies come back. The spies come back and they're giving their report. 
And we'll begin in verse 26 for context. Scripture says in Numbers 13, 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and they showed them the fruit of the land. So these guys are picking up fruit and they're bringing it back as evidence and as a report of how plentiful and prosperous and fruitful the land is that God had called them to go to. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey, which means it was lush, it was rich, it was fertile. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful. I wish I had time to really go into this. Everything that you promised me, God, it's true, it's real, it's there, it's good, it's amazing, but there's challenges. And so instead of focusing on the promise and instead of focusing on the fruit and instead of focusing on the possibility, these guys focused on the but. And the but here very simply was, these men are powerful and the cities are fortified and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Achan there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Watch what happens here in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up. I love that. We should. Listen to that conviction. You know, when God has given you a word, there has to be a strong conviction inside of you. We should do this. We must do this. In spite of the opposition, we will do this because God has promised it and he is with us. We should go up and take possession of the land for we certainly can do it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites, and here's our word again, a bad report, Hebrew word for slander. They spread among the people a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Let me talk with you for a few minutes this morning about the characteristics of a murmuring spirit as we analyze the people's response. So we're all getting the context here. The leaders come back, the spies from these lands, they come back, they say the fruit is good, but we can't go into land. This is impossible. We're not going to attack it. Now, beginning in chapter 14, we see the effect and the response of these leaders' words on the entire community. Now, let me put this in context for you. This is over a million people. So 10 people with a negative spirit infected over a million people in the community. Verse 114, that night, all of the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Point number one, if you're taking notes very simply, actually, if you'll give me one second here. 
you know what happened was I have actually two sets of notes on this message. The one, the one that I sat for last week, and, uh, and then last night, I actually redid the entire message. So uh, I had last week's notes pulled up, and I didn't like that. All right, here we go. Number one, number one, murmuring is the soul's responsibility, or the soul's response, should I say, the soul's response to difficulty, discontentment, or disagreement. For your notes, very simply, is murmuring is a soulish response. Let me unpack that for you here for a little bit. Murmuring and complaining is not a spirit response. It is a soulish response. It is an emotional response. Anytime you find yourself murmuring or complaining about a situation or about a person, it is a clear sign that you are not operating in the spirit. Now, this does not mean that we will not see things that we don't agree with, obviously. This does not mean that there will, be situa- that there will not be situations in our lives that are uncomfortable or that are difficult. The key here that we have to focus on is how are we responding and out of which spirit are we responding to disagreement and discomfort and to difficulty in our lives. As we read on in chapter 14, we'll see that the people of Israel were overcome with self-pity. They were overcome with fear. They were overcome with self-preservation and with discontent when they heard of the difficulty. Here's the fruit, but it's gonna be challenging. And once they focused on the challenge instead of the promise, that murmuring spirit that was overtaken by self-preservation and discontentedness began to take over. As I was reflecting on this, I wrote down a prophetic side note for us. Some of us can become content in the process of maturity that that God has designed as preparation for our inheritance. I want you to think about that. You know, Joseph is a classic example here. When he received a dream as a young boy that he would be leading and he would be leading in a high capacity, he experienced an incredible path of great difficulty and of great adversity. And at any point, if he partnered with a murmuring, complaining, discontent spirit, I think that the story would have been rewritten and that Joseph would have disqualified himself from the position of authority because those challenges that that, that, that he walked through were actually orchestrated by God to prepare him to steward such high-level responsibility. Are you cursing the very process that God has designed to expose the things that are within you, to sanctify you, and to prepare you for greater measures of responsibility? Are you cursing them by your complaining and by your murmuring? You'll never be able to hear the voice of God and murmur at the same time. You cannot choose to focus on the negative and partner with faith at the same time. A murmuring and complaining spirit invalidates faith. Murmuring and complaining is not the language of faith. It's the language of defeat. It's the language of doubt. It's the language of fear. And so as people of faith, we have to monitor what's coming out of our lips. Listen, you can quote all the scripture that you want. And listen, I've grew up in the word of faith camp. I I know it, I understand it, I believe in it. But your murmuring and complaining spirit will actually invalidate the word of God that comes out of your mouth. It will. You have to monitor this. 
When you partner and participate with a murmuring spirit, you actually cut off your access from faith. Because we do not walk by faith in our mind or in our emotions. Faith is accessed by the spirit. And if complaining is a soulish response, we cannot access faith by our soul. It is accessed by our spirit. Murmuring pulls us out of alignment with God's spirit. Romans 8, 14 says that those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. They're children of God. And so when we start partnering and participating with that negative spirit of murmuring and complaining, what we are doing is we are actually cutting ourselves away from alignment with God. It keeps us from seeing God's perspective. When we operate out of discontent, and out of self-preservation, we cannot see the bigger picture of what God is trying to do. It blinds us. It deafens our ears and it blinds our eyes. The moment we murmur, we are out of alignment with the potential of God and we're out of alignment with the corporate purpose. God's purpose for the children of Israel was to bring them into promise. And when these people stepped into that murmuring spirit, actually, as we read through the rest of, of, of Numbers, what you'll see is beginning in Numbers chapter 11, you will see from 11 to 22 in the book of Numbers that these people were murmuring and complaining all the time about everything. And so what God was actually doing was he was designing a desert, not just to get them out of Egypt, but to get Egypt out of them. And so when you find a difficult situation and you find yourself murmuring, complaining, being negative, talking bad about the situation, talking bad about yourself, about your spouse, about your leaders, about your church, realize this may be a desert that God has designed to pull Egypt out of you. These people actually, they short-circuited the corporate plan of God because of a murmuring spirit. See, a murmuring spirit doesn't care about the corporate plan. Murmuring spirit only cares about self's plan. It is a self-centered response taking into account only what affects me, negating the greater purpose and vision, the will of God or the benefit of the corporate. Murmuring not only pulls us out of alignment with God, murmuring aligns us with the enemy. I want you to think about this. The enemy's strategy in the garden was to get Adam and Eve discontent. You mean to tell me that of everything here in this garden, there's something God's withholding from you? And so out of every tree, and we see in Genesis chapter one, the garden of Eden was lush, it was beautiful, it was fruitful, it was plentiful, and they had free reign to everything save one particular tree. And instead of focusing out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of praise, out of a spirit of responsibility on all the things that God gave them, they chose to partner with a discontent spirit and go, well, you know, yeah, how come we can't touch this tree? What, think about this. You can have it all. Yes, but I can't have this. It's the enemy strategy. And when he got them operating in a spirit of discontentment, he actually pulled them out of the plan of God for their lives. I want you to write this down. Every time you murmur, you give your power away. 
It doesn't matter what it is. You're driving down the road and someone does something foolish and you start murmuring and complaining. You have just given that person power to affect your emotions. You have given that person power to affect negatively your life. You are empowering someone. You are empowering something. You are empowering some spirit. You are giving away your authority every time you murmur. You're giving away your victory. You're giving away your ownership every time you murmur. God is about empowering people. The enemy is about disempowering people. And when we start partnering with a murmuring spirit, we start giving over our authority. The reason I know this is because Adam and Eve gave their authority to the enemy out of a spirit of discontentedness. I want you to understand this. See, we've always been taught, and there's a measure of this that's true as we approach Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Why did Jesus die? And we have been told for years he died because he loves you so much. And that is a measure of that that's true. In fact, the Father loved the people and Jesus loved the Father and Jesus was submitted to the Father. And so out of submission to the Father, to glorify the Father, Jesus willingly laid down and submitted his life as a son. But Jesus died and resurrected to regain authority that was lost by humanity's discontentedness. You need to understand this today. This is, I'm, I just feel something on this. You were called to walk in faith and victory and authority. And when you partner with that spirit, you disqualify yourself from all of it. I know there are people in here, you're believing for great things financially in the area of healing, in the area of your job, in the area of your family. And I believe this is a missing and vital prophetic key to all the different things that we're doing, fasting, praying, worshiping, speaking, declaring the word. But friend, if you are complaining and murmuring against a person or a situation, you are actually short-circuiting the authority and the power of God in your situation that he has available for you. Don't give your power away. Number two, a murmuring spirit, not only is it a soulish response, a murmuring spirit is stuck. Let me explain this to you. The word murmur in the Hebrew language, this is incredible visual. It means to lodge. It means to spend the night somewhere. It means to stop over, to dwell, to abide to pitch your tent. Now I want you to think about this visual language in terms of what we're talking about. What is it that you and I do whenever we start complaining about something? We pitch our tent and we stay the night on a situation or a subject or a person longer than is necessary. Some of you are still living in the lodging place of something that happened to you years ago and you're still complaining and you're still murmuring and you're still talking about something that a previous church did 20 years ago. You've never left that hotel. And the word of the Lord for you this morning is pack your bags. It's time to move. 
I'm not invalidating hurt. I'm not invalidating injustice. I'm not invalidating offense, but friend of God, I am here to implore you and to commend you and to charge you. You are living in a lodging place that does not have the address of heaven on it. And you are living in a place that you were not designed to dwell. If we dwell under the shadow of the most high and abide in the secret place of the most high, then he shall fight for us. But if you choose to dwell in the place of offense, if you choose to dwell in the place of hurt and disembitterment and discontentedness, you will find that it gets deeper into your spirit. Some of you out of right hearts, but naive and ignorant hearts began processing with people who have a murmuring spirit. And before you know it, you are now just as bad as them. The book of Psalms says it like this. Look with me at Psalm 1-1. This is an incredible progression. You have to understand that this stuff is a progression. The longer you stay in that lodging place of murmuring, the longer you stay in that dwelling place of complaining, the deeper it gets inside of you. Psalm 1-1 says it like this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Listen to these verbs. Stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat the scornful. That word scornful is a Hebrew derivative of our word murmur. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing somebody here who's walking, they've got a purpose, they've got a direction, they're moving in a particular direction and they start surrounding themselves with a certain type of people or a spirit that is upon a certain type of people and then all of a sudden they stop moving forward. How many of you have stopped seeing victory in your life? You stop seeing purpose. You stop seeing vision. You stop seeing passion. Pay attention to who you're walking with. Pay attention to where you're standing. Or do not stand in the way of sinners or sit before you know it. Some of you guys are sitting in the seat of mockers. Some of you are sitting in the seat of the scornful because you surrounded yourself with people that have a discontented spirit. How many of you guys are hearing me tonight? Let me give you a tip here. Never give people or situations any more emotional or mental time than they are due. That's not cold. That's not being calloused. That's not being insensitive. Friend, what I'm telling you this morning is this. Deal with it in the spirit. There are tools, there are ways for God to heal our hearts, heal our emotion, heal the injustice, heal the violation, but stop giving other people. You know what? These people have moved on. So there are some people that have imprisoned you and they don't even know what they did to you. They are clueless. And part of it is because, and listen, you have to understand this. When you start engaging and entertaining that murmuring spirit, you start misperceiving everything. So you start going, well, the pastor didn't look at me and I saw him and I waved and he didn't see me. Well, maybe, maybe he just didn't see you. Is it possible? Is it possible that out of all the things that are going on in that one second span of time that that person maybe just didn't see you? Number three, a murmuring spirit always targets authority. 
Numbers chapter 14, verse two, all of the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Beginning in chapter 11, from chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, I just read this over and over and over again. You know what's, you know what's incredibly fascinating? I don't know if this is the point or not, but later on, we see a guy by the name of Korah. How many of you guys have heard the name Korah? It's a guy by the name of Korah. He was actually one of the Levites. He was one of the guys that was selected by God. We find it in chapter 16. He was selected by God. The Levite tribe was selected to minister to the Lord and to take care of the house of God. And a guy by the name of Korah gets 250 people. And the scripture is interesting because it says his followers. Now that's our first mistake right there. You already took yourself out of alignment by calling people to yourself, Korah, and not calling them to the, to the, the overall corporate vision. And so Korah says, you know what, Moses, who said that you're the only one who can hear from God anyways? Moses says, it's fine. I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. You take your 250 followers and you show up to the tent of meeting, you grab a censer and, uh, and we'll just let the Lord deal with this. I didn't ask for this job. To be quite frankly, you can have these murmuring people and I don't want them, but I am only here because God keeps telling me that he wants me to lead these people, including you. Long story short, two of the guys of the 250 say, I'm not showing up to you. I'm not gonna waste my time and go to that tent and go to your little meeting. They totally defied him. And God said, that's fine. Or Moses said, that's fine. God opens up the earth. Reading all these earthquakes, you know, in, uh, in, in California, opens up the earth, swallows their families. But you know, most times an earthquake, the earth opens up and it stays open. And then it closes up like nothing else happened. What just happened here? All of the families of the people of Israel are running for their lives. They are screaming. I mean, this is like some crazy movie. Oh my God, right? They look back, the earth is completely covered up and uh, two tents are gone. And then listen, the very next day, the very next day, Numbers chapter 16, they said, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said, you killed the people of God. You're thinking, right? But you know, that's funny to us. But that's in us. That's in us. That spirit of discontent gets so deeply lodged inside of us and we just can't see clearly. Let me just spend a little bit of time here because I don't want you thinking I'm, I'm offended or hurt by any situation. There is no situation that's going on against me that I'm reacting out of, but you must understand these are scriptural principles that are gonna protect you and keep you for the rest of your lives and protect the corporate plans of God. Leaders ultimately become the target of a murmuring spirit. Listen, if you start complaining about a situation, if you start complaining about a thing, ultimately you'll start complaining about people. And if there's any prescribed leadership in your life, I guarantee you, you will find something in their lives, in their personality, in their leadership, in the way they look and what they did and what they didn't do and what they should have done and what they could have done. And you will react to that out of that discontented spirit. I got a whole nother lesson that's designed just for leaders. And they never told me in seminary after four years. They never told me in four years of pastoral ministry, eight years of schooling altogether. They never told me the greatest thing that you need to know how to do, Jade, is forgive. Because people will always be dissatisfied with your leadership. It's the truth. A murmuring spirit is a victimized spirit. 
I want you to think about this. We said earlier that a murmuring spirit gives power away. Every time we complain, we are giving authority away. If I give my power away, I'm not responsible. That's the broken logic in our minds. If I give my authority away, then I'm not responsible to do anything about the situation. In fact, it's easier to blame a leader and it's easier to complain about what a leader is or isn't doing than it is to seek solutions. Always easier. There are those who create problems, there are those who compound problems and there are those who solve problems. Which one are you? Murmuring and complaining is a slave's response to difficulty and disagreement. Where did this people learn? Where did they pick up? I'm t- I, I believe that this spirit had infected this entire nation. It was, it was inside of the entire fabric of an entire nation of over a million people. How did it get there? It got there after 400 years of oppression. It got there after 400 years of being silenced, of being beat down. So on one side of the coin, I can look at this and go, I can understand this. It's easier to say, I don't have no voice. I can't say anything to Pharaoh. I can't disagree with my taskmasters. So I'm just going to cope by talking about them. I'm just gonna cope by venting my frustration about the situation because I can't do anything about the situation, which was a fallacy. They could have done something about the situation, but they chose to do nothing about the situation, but talk badly about the situation. So I have a little bit of grace and mercy here because I can understand after 400 years of slavery, I can understand that that murmuring, complaining, victimized spirit would get on you. And those of you who have gone through violation and injustice. Listen, you must pay attention to this because it's easy to justify it. And it's easy to nurse and to nurture that spirit. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this thought. Sometimes in our minds, we rationalize that it's easier to go back to Egypt than it is to mature through the wilderness. So in our minds, we think, wow, you know what? If we'll just go back to Egypt, and I'm gonna get here in a second. These guys wanted to go back to the same oppressors. In fact, why don't we just go there now? Point number four, a murmuring spirit is a spirit of deception. How many of you still walking with me this morning? Numbers 14, two, if only we had died in Egypt. Look at Numbers 14, three. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to making bricks without straws? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to lashes on the back? Wouldn't it be better to go back to having absolutely no rights? and no opportunity to make choices for ourselves. And you know, if, if I can't make choices for myself, then it's always easier for me to blame others who are making choices. Complaining discounts God. It discounts the goodness of God. Every time you and I open our mouth to complain about a situation, we are absolutely invalidating and discounting the goodness of God that has been poured out on our lives. Moms and dads, this is crucial to get into our children. You are not victims and your children are not victims. And the things that keep us from a victimized spirit is gratitude and praise. 
This morning, as Jonathan was leading that song, we set our hope on you. We set our hope on you. Began talking about the goodness of God. I began focusing on the goodness of God. You must develop a theology of praise. You must have deep in your bedrock, why do I praise God? It's not the two fast ones before the slow ones, the bouncies before the slowies. You must develop a lifestyle of in every, in all things, give thanks to the Lord. In all things, praise God. I will praise him at all times. His praise will continually, which means in every situation, at all times, good and bad, it will always be on my lips. Why? Because praise, it immunizes us from the spirit of discontentedness. It will protect you. It will set your eyes on the goodness of God. Complaining not only discounts the goodness of God, this is the God who pursued them. This is the God who provided for them. This is the God who delivered them. Um, A complaining spirit discounts not only the goodness of God, but it discounts the ability of God. I want you to think for a minute about all the things that God has done on your behalf. Think about what he delivered you from. Think about when he came through in the midnight hour. Think about how he's provided for your life. Think about how he delivered you. Think about where you would be now if it weren't for the delivering power of God in your life. And every moment we complain about a situation, we're essentially saying that wasn't good enough. Complaining not only discounts God, it glorifies the enemy. Complaining keeps us immature. It is an immature response made by immature people that locks us into a place of immaturity. That's a hard one. Because many of us think we're mature. And I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter how much scripture you know, if you're participating with a murmuring spirit, you friend are immature. I can take you to 1 Corinthians 3 and I can talk with you how the apostle Paul says, are there still divisions among you? Why are you still so immature? And a divisive spirit is connected to a murmuring and complaining spirit. And if you and I are walking, complaining is an immature response to the possibility of God. Swallow that one and think about that one and pray about that one for a while. Number five, finally, a murmuring spirit is never satisfied. I want you to listen to God's response here that's found in Numbers 14, verse 11. Look at God's response. How long, this is God speaking to Moses, how long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed for them? You can be in the midst of the greatest revival. You can have all of your bills paid, all of your needs met. And I'm here to tell you, a murmuring spirit can never be satisfied. The most freeing moment to me is when I learned that for all those people who had problems with me, problems with my leadership, mistakes that I've made recently in the past, it's not that I'm being insensitive. I will sit down with anybody who has the courage to sit down eye to eye and say, this is how you hurt me. This is how you offended me. I will own everything I need to own, but I've learned that if I'm living my life to try to please unpleasable people, I will drive myself mad and so will you. You cannot satisfy a murmuring spirit. You cannot satisfy a murmuring spirit. You cannot satisfy a murmuring spirit. How many more plagues do we need, guys? 
How many more shows does God have to perform for us to go, you are the living God and you deserve all my allegiance? How many more seas have to be split wide open and a million people walk through for us to go, you're God, I'm not, that is enough, you have my heart. How much, how much water has to flow out of rocks? Think about this. The scripture says they, 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 they wore the same clothes in the, in, the, in the Middle Eastern desert and they never wore out. How much preservation does God have to do in your life for you to go, you are God, I trust you, I have faith in you, I'm gonna be grateful to you, I'm not gonna res- complain about my situation. How much more? It can never be satisfied. Jesus knew this. That's why when they said, hey, hey, do us a miracle, do us a miracle, do us a miracle. He says, they played a dirge for you. They played loops, you know, flutes and lyres and harps and all these things, and yet you were not satisfied. Why? Because a murmuring spirit cannot be satisfied. You need to get that in your spirit. That's why scripture talks about a nagging wife. Listen, I'm telling you, that just came to me. That's not a, that's, that's not a hit on a woman because men can have a nagging spirit too. But he says it's like a constant dripping. That will, it, why is that? Because it cannot be satisfied. And actually, I've got some prophetic revelation coming right now is a form of manipulation and control. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. We want maturity. We want maturity. When you have leaders who are not operating in sonship, they will bend over backwards to appease a Jezebel murmuring, complaining spirit because it is a form of manipulation and control and it's not allowed in this house. And you ought to say it's not allowed in your house and it's not allowed in your business and it's not allowed, it's just not allowed. Now, g- give me three minutes here. What do we do? How do we, what do we do with this? Let's just very, very simply, let's walk through this. You know what Caleb did? Caleb stood up in Numbers chapter 13 and he stands up again in Numbers 14. Let's look at this very quickly. I promise I'll take three minutes here. Numbers 14, Moses and Aaron fell face down, verse six, Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. What is this focus on? It's focused on the goodness of God. It's focused on the ability of God. Verse nine, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. In Numbers 13, Caleb silences the people. You must silence a spirit of murmuring and complaining. You must silence it. You must not allow it to fill the atmosphere. So step number one, if you know that you've been operating in that, you have to repent, church. I'm telling you, these past few weeks have been, have been overload on me. I'm doing a lot of repenting. And I appeal to you, repent with me. I appeal to the maturity of God inside of you. Repent, repent. Think differently about this. Do you know what's amazing? Is that some of you here in this room will walk away from a prophetic word like this and choose to attack me and choose to murmur and complain 
against the word of the Lord that came forth. And that is a warning to you. It's not a threat. It is a warning. This is sober. This is fear of the Lord stuff here, guys. Repent, 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 repent. The word of the Lord to you this day is repent. Repent, turn, let God search you. Don't be deceived. Assume that you are and go to God and say, give me eyes to see and I will repent. Number two, the way that you combat disappointment and the way that you combat difficulty is by gratitude and praise. Your focus must be on the goodness of God. There is always something good that God is doing in your life. Number three, if you have leaders, you are not victims to leaders. I, I, I wanna just, for those leaders and even myself who may have done things that have wounded or hurt you in the past, friends, I want you to know today, you must have an honest conversation with God. You must have an honest conversation with yourself and you must have an honest conversation with people. And I know that can be scary. It can be intimidating. But here's what I also know. A murmuring spirit runs from confrontation and it runs from honest conversations. It does not want to have them, but you are sons and daughters and you're bigger than that. You must have honest conversations. You must get your heart right and you must go and you must seek to understand. I, I am sure of all of these accounts that we have in the book of Numbers of these guys who murmured and complained, if they would have had the maturity to go to Moses and Aaron, and if they would have had the maturity to say, you know, I'm not really understanding this. Can we have a conversation about this? Can you help me understand? I'm sure Moses and Aaron would have helped them and they would have gone the distance with those people and they would have escaped judgment. In closing, I wanna leave this with you. Your murmuring spirit will affect your kids and will affect the generations coming after you. I never realized this before, but I mean, we always knew that those people died in the wilderness. God said, you, you because of your insubordination and because of your complaining spirit, you're gonna die here in this wilderness. But then he says this, your children will suffer for your unfaithfulness. Your children will suffer for your unfaithfulness. The longer you and I allow a, a murmuring and complaining spirit to go on in our lives, our children will suffer for that. Because those young boys could have grown up swinging off of vines. They could have grown up playing king of the mountain with milk and honey, but instead they lived 40 years tending animals in a desert. And one generation's murmuring and complaining stole 40 years of life and abundance from the next. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. How many of you hear the word of the Lord this morning? How many of you, in spite of the fact that it's hard and heavy, you will receive it?
I thank God he's not given us revival. I thank God for it. You know why? Because we're not mature enough to handle it. And we would poison and we will infect a whole harvest of people if we are not willing to get this right. This is an imperfect house and I am an imperfect man, but I am humble and broken and I am pursuing God and the people of this church are humble and broken and they are pursuing God and how dare you? How dare you? I'm gonna close the service right now. But I think some of us need to do some heavy duty business with the Father. Heavy duty business at an altar. Not out of a soulish response, but out of a God honest, Lord, you've you've spoken to me, you've showed me and I see it and I repent. And I, I, I break agreement with that murmuring and complaining spirit and I repent for the damage I've caused to my family, for my, to my workforce, to my employees, and to my brother and sister. And if you'll help me, Father, and give me the grace, if you'll change my heart, I'll change my speech. Father, in the name of Jesus, we appeal to heaven for grace. You said that you have put this treasure in jars of clay. And as a jar of clay today, I've done my best to prepare and to deliver what I believe is a word of the Lord for this house for this hour. Father, I, I know that in my perfection, I may have missed things that could have been said or should have been said. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come in like a healing balm and would you bring revelation and truth and healing and life and grace to every single one of us at every part of the journey that each of us are on. God, today as a house, I want us to do this as a house, as a house. Let's say this, as a house, as Antioch Church, we repent, I repent for participating with a murmuring spirit, for giving place to a murmuring spirit, for damaging, dividing, and destroying the people of God, and the house of God. I welcome your conviction and I ask you for grace. Change my heart, change my ways. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Antioch. This is a good house. This is a good house.